And I think when I went to San Sebastian, I really saw uh, how restaurants really took that to a new level in terms of, you know, seasonal produce or uh, creating that very special experience, the storytelling and, you know, synchronized service. But we definitely knew that we were, there was too much excitement because, and we knew that, like we could feel it from people's conversations of the excitement to look forward to come to a restaurant like that. But I think that, I, I mean, I'm not being, I'm not trying to sound boastful, but I was, I was very confident. I was very confident about what uh, we'd set out to do. I mean, you might have a great idea and you could be a risk taker. But if you don't believe in it and it's not something that drives you, then it can, it can, you can probably fail. And I, and that's my advice to every entrepreneur out there is that you really need to work with the right-minded people and invest in your people because they are the ones who are going to lift you in, in the low time. Welcome to the Success with Savita podcast, where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host, Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos, and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hi and welcome to the month of March and this month is not only International Women's Day on the 8th of March but also Women's History Month and to mark this we are bringing you some very special guests through this month. Starting off with our first guest this week, Aditi Dugar. But before we get started, I want to take a moment to introduce my guest and all her achievements. Meet Aditi Dugar, founder and director, Mask and Urban Gourmet India Private Limited. Born and raised in Mumbai, Aditi Dugar graduated with a Master of Commerce from Sydenham College while also finishing Level 2 of a CFA degree. She then spent the next several years working in private equity until the birth of her first child, when she decided to take a break. But growing up in a family of passionate cooks with exposure to diverse culinary backgrounds, Aditi quickly developed an inclination towards the food industry. And in 2012, she launched a boutique catering service, Sage and Saffron, from her home kitchen. Along the way, she kept honing her skills by way of stints at two Michelin-starred restaurants, as well as training with a street food vendor in Thailand and so much more. In September 2016, after nearly two years of R&D spent traveling, in September 2016, after nearly two years of R&D spent traveling across the country, setting up supply chains with farmers and local producers, Mask, the restaurant, opened doors in the heart of Mumbai. This was the first restaurant in India to serve a singular chef's tasting menu using locally sourced ingredients. Mask quickly garnered a reputation for constant innovation along the way and won many awards including landing a spot on Asia's 50 best restaurants and also making it the first female-led Indian enterprise on the list. Aditi acts as founder and director of the parent group Urban Gourmet India Private Limited. Alongside Mask and Sage and Saffron, she runs Bakery 27 Bakehouse and The Kitchen at Seesaw Cafe in Mumbai. 
She's also an advisor to Araku Cafe, the sustainable coffee chain based out of Bengaluru. Join me to listen to her inspiring story and her advice. Hi, uh, Aditi. Welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. And I am really excited to have you here for many reasons, but for the fact that mask is so, um, I mean, everybody knows about mask, but also that you have been behind so many brands. So welcome <laughs> to the show. I'm so excited to be speaking to you. Thank I'm you. I'm really honored. Yeah. Thank you. My first question to you for, uh, for our audience, let's talk about your journey so far. What made you shift finance to the food business? And um, just share with us what made you change track? What were your early challenges? I mean, I would say that it was really a happy accident. <laughs> I got pregnant and... Uh, and then I got pregnant again in another 10 months. So, you know, that made me make the shift. Um, and I decided to be a stay-at-home mom for four years and, and really give it my all in the beginning because obviously I was nursing two young kids. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I was always been very, very passionate about food and hanging around and spending more time at home with my mom and, you know, visiting my grandmom, spending the weekends there at times. So it really made me realize that uh, sort of food was my calling. My mom used to run these uh, home cooking classes and I started helping her to professionalize it only to realize that, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I started a catering company with her. It was a very small homegrown idea. Uh, but I think that I'm always been so driven and always had a big vision and see, you know, work, I, I guess, because also being from finance, always work with big numbers mm -hmm. uh, that, um, you know, for me, it was all about growing the business. And did you at any time growing up um, think that this may be something that you may go into later in life or growing up? Did you always want to do finance? No, not at all. In fact, I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. <laughs> not at all. Food was something that I, I never even entered the kitchen, very frankly. I mean, I was always passionate about baking. And usually yeah. uh, I'd bake and then literally so many times that would be fed to the cows. Uh, <laughs> really? Hard to believe. No, that is hard to believe. Okay. No, genuinely. I mean, I've, of course, I've always had very, very great a strong taste bud and a great knack of putting things together even without following a recipe and I think that's really been sort of you know it's been very intuitive uh, my cooking or like being in the kitchen has I've always seen my mom do it very intuitively so that's literally how I cook mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I never never was uh, I mean cooking or being in the kitchen or running a food business was never on the horizon. Yeah. And then you decided to start Mask in 2016-2017. Um, that that that's a big step. And the concept also was new. Uh, what was the thought process going into it? What made you feel like, yeah, this is going to work? Um, did you have doubts? Um, so like, I think when I, when I decide something, I never doubt myself. Uh, but so, you know, I think, and for me, it's all about a vision has to come in front of me. Like, you know, I, I almost imagine it uh, mm -hmm. end to end and 
till that vision is not clear, I don't really even sort of dive into a project ever. Uh, you know, I may talk about it or say contemplate the idea and discuss it with many people. But like when I when when the storyboard is ready in my head, that's when I deep dive into anything. Um, you know, I have new ideas every day and I wake up with new ideas to to tell my team, hey, we need to do this or we need to now be doing this. But frankly, whatever goes gets into like fruition is really things that are, I have complete clarity over. And I think mask was one such idea. Um, you know, I think also um, because I was catering in a very, very niche Space and I was uh, only doing vegetarian food back in the days um, because I come from a vegetarian uh, household and you know that's what I wanted to and that was my expertise and till I didn't bring on professionals on board like I had no idea about you know anything to do with non-vegetarian food so, um, so it was basically cooking seasonal plant-based mm -hmm. uh, very very tasty vegetarian food and um, and then when I think because I was catering to such a niche audience um, and uh, so hence I think I knew I could I knew what my audience wanted uh, I knew like you know they would go back to the experiences uh, globally and they would eat at all these restaurants and they'd come back with asking me saying you know how you know how can we have this at our next dinner party like you know there was no there was such less choice available for vegetarians 12, 10, 12 years ago that uh, there were very few people who were really sort of leading the path even in, on the catering side. Mm -hmm. And uh, creative uh, food, you know, put out beautifully was really not the ordinary that you would see at events because everything would be in shaffers and, you know, the, the dining concept was not so evolved. Mm -hmm. And... I think I realized that gap and that really, really, I'm very thankful to the exposure I've got over the years of, you know, being able to travel or go work at some, do some stages in some kitchens, or I even worked with a floral company in the UK and I got to go see large setups at like us or the bees. And that really sort of opened my mind out to the possibilities of how, you know, one can even engage with presenting food. And mm. Since I already had that sort of experience with catering, I knew that there was a gap in fine dining and the way uh, one could enjoy an experience. And again, that goes back to, you know, a lot of like travel and global exposure. And I think when I went to San Sebastian, I really saw uh, how restaurants really took that to a new level in terms of, you know, seasonal produce or uh, creating that very special experience, the storytelling and, you know, synchronized service, you know, and I really thought that India was, of course, um, the five stars really had that level of service, but India was really lacking that uh, when it came to experiences at standalone places. And, you know, going to a five-star hotel is now becoming more and more passe and people are looking to go to more standalone places uh, for experiences. Yeah. Um, so what, what you're saying is you actually did put in a little bit of prep, right? I mean, you've gone, you've, you've gone to different places, you learned from so many people, you observe and you launch mask. What happened like with the early days when you started and when, what was like early feedback? What did people say and how? Everybody said we'd fail. <laughs> oh, okay. 
okay and i mean of course it was it was a lot of learning i can't say like we had it all planned out and like we knew it'd be a success overnight but we definitely knew that we were uh there was too much excitement because and we knew that like we could feel it from people's conversations of the excitement to look forward to come to a restaurant like that or from the press like when we spoke to people like it was new for india to do an only tasting menu restaurant to be only dependent on produce from the country of course like we were totally like sort of the path leaders in this space and and i think it was really the right time right place and of course i mean there have been restaurants that probably did it before us but they were probably too early in the day mm. way and you know when we did it uh it was probably like people were ready for it there were enough not only um the top 2% of india had that exposure but also more and more people had become more aspirational towards you know planning their experiences even when they travel around food and restaurants and chefs became a more like a sought after job you know suddenly uh, like i don't think like it was so prestigious to be a chef before than it is in this day and age so uh so i think it was really right time right place and i think india was ready for it of course in the west it was not like something new everybody was already cooking plant based or looking at seasonality and talking about you know where does the traceability of this produce come from and like you know i think uh, really sort of chefs that i also look up to were already talking about mm-hmm. you know the planet and and climate change and like these were conversations that were already happening in the more conscious food world and talking and connecting with more and more people like that when i started like working on this project really sort of made it clear that you know india needed this as well yeah what i'm hearing you say is yes timing is important and it's crucial but also um you know you it, it's it you brought this concept it's a risk that you took it's it could have paid off it, you know you didn't know how it was going to go but were you then surprised at how quickly mask became so popular got onto all the charts got into all the list most were you surprised uh, at how quickly i mean of course i mean i i'm i'm very humbled for the success mask has garnered but i think that i, I mean i'm not being i'm not trying to sound boastful but i was i was very confident Yeah. I was very confident about what uh, we set out to do because we were doing it with so much truthfulness, right? Like you know, it became from a place of not just confidence but truthfulness of our story. Whether it was we were genuinely going and traveling to bring these ingredients, it was not like we were making a phone call and writing a story of how the ingredient traveled. Like we'd done that hard work of going to the source. of researching uh you know tradition to go and explore these regions to try the food to marry you know tradition and innovation like we did that hard work so you know i knew it had to pay off uh, it was the way you know i think that when you're so connected to the story and to the cause like you know there was a genuineness in our concept and i think uh, i was very confident about that yeah confidence and also i think the authenticity comes through correct and that really um that that's really critical in anything that yeah. would start off i mean you have to believe right like you have to something has to drive you i mean you might have a great idea and you could be a risk taker but if you don't believe in it and it's not something that drives you then it can you can probably fail 
Yeah. Um, this reminds me of the path that you don't chase. Money comes. It's yes. It's the outcome. But you you follow what be true to your mission, and I think that's truly something that you uh, have embodied. Then came Araku Coffee. <laughs> so talk to me about Araku Coffee because the story is so different. Um, uh, full transparency. I'm from a coffee family. I'm from Kurt. Uh, we do have estates traditionally. Not that I know anything about, I mean, I, I know something about coffee. But, you know, Araku was a completely different kind of experience for you from what you had done with Mask. Um, talk to me about, uh, you know, building brand Araku. So the, it also came at a very, very interesting time. It came, the the, the project came to me during COVID. Uh, you know. It was a time where I was really also struggling to keep my own businesses alive. And um, there was a lot of, you know, obviously we had to take some big decisions of like, you know, making masks into like a delivery model, which we'd never thought of before, or like, you know, doing so many different experiences through my catering, which was all at-home experiences. We started DIY kit, but I think we were very quick with uh, sort of pivoting in our decisions, even at a very sensitive time, you know, mm. and and because we were sort of you know we had that access to go to our kitchens because we were you know providing uh food which is part of you know what was allowed within you know within what we were allowed during those days yeah. you know who could go back to work etc and um and that i think um it really it again boiled down to really having the right people working with the right people and i think yeah. an organization is only as good as its people and you know, it's, um, I think, and, and I, and that's my advice to every entrepreneur out there is that you really need to work with the right minded people and invest in your people because they are the ones who are going to lift you in, in the low times. And, you know, the team really came together and really kudos to, I always, you know, I, I, I don't think it really takes a village to build any brand and really kudos to the team. And, and so Araku was one such opportunity that sort of came to me during COVID. Uh, in fact, it is a social economic enterprise, so it's not it's not my brand. I'm the chief advisor at Araku Coffee, and um, and Manoj, who is the founder and the CEO of Nandi Foundation, him and me connected uh, during a coffee tasting at Mask, and. Uh, and then I guess like they had such an, a beautiful vision of what they wanted to do with the brand. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had this instant connection and uh, we started sort of, uh, you know, building out his dream during COVID. And uh, I came on board. And I think the whole story about Araku is, is that it is probably the story that India should know of how you know, uh, a complete Naxal barren area, which yeah. is like uh, called Araku, you know, which was literally falling off the map, has been transformed over Nandi's efforts since the last 20 years. You know, no, there's not much now, like people are hearing about it or, you know, their efforts have been written about like World Economic Forum to everything because what they're doing is really sequestering carbon and they are uh, sort of leading the path for, you know, making sure that, every Indian is spread nutritious food in this country. So yeah. I think in the next five or six years, uh, the effort Nandi's done with, uh, with farming is really going to sort of pay off for a lot of people in this country. 
Yeah. And now they're also doing that. So that whole economic model is called Arakunomic. Yeah. And uh, they won the Rockefeller Food Vision Prize. And now they also, um, through Araku Coffee and through Urban Farms, which is another brand, we're sort of, uh, you know, spreading this message. And I think Araku Coffee is one such project, which mm-hmm. started out as a coffee brand, but now really about changing the food system. Uh, that's the, the broader vision. And through our restaurants or cafes, that's what we'll be doing. Is really, uh, you know, and and that's really been exciting. It's been an exciting project for me because I've never worked on like a singular product, and like frankly, I have to mm. confess that I'm not even a coffee drinker. So it was a huge okay. challenge. I said it was a huge challenge for me in the beginning to do, uh, you know, to represent or be the ambassador. Um, and but the journey, their journey has been so beautiful, and uh, it's. Really, it's almost like a selfless journey, right? Like where you're, where yeah. every, your, your ulterior motive in life is to make every farmer rich. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, when you have that sort of a vision, it was very uh, difficult to to let them down with uh, what I had to do with the work at a brand front. <laughs> sure. And were your learnings vastly different? I would imagine so. Where Mask and Araku are two different. Yeah, because Mask is like catering to 40 to 50 diners a night while Araku on on the weekends we have 400 people through the door so you know wow. obviously the it, it's really also democratizing luxury in a bit and that's yeah. what we've done at Araku is, is really it is still a very luxurious brand it's a very luxurious experience yeah. it's super high end but at the same time we're able to talk to a larger audience um, and and spread this message, yeah. And of course, and also to our product because we're also an, or available e-commerce on an yeah. e-commerce platform and through a restaurant cafe experience. Yeah, I know of the story also because you know I think you opened your first cafe in Bangalore, right? And I am based Correct. in Bangalore, so that's that's. I the... hope you visited us at Indranagar. Yes, of course. But my question is, do you drink coffee now? Has yes, been... I do. And I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do drink coffee. <laughs> okay. So, like I'm not, I'm not having, I don't need a cup of coffee a day, no. Right. <laughs> okay. I don't need any poison. <laughs> All right. I was going to, that would now make me want to ask you what's your poison, but you don't need any. I, I don't need anything. <laughs> work, work is my poison. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. Um, but my next question to you is about, you know, being uh, India's first female restauranter on Asia's 50 best. It's no mean feat, okay? Uh, what does that feel like? And what therefore becomes your next big goal? I mean, we're still not on number one. <laughs> we're, okay. We're so crowned that's... number one restaurant in Asia, Indian restaurant in Asia's 50 best because okay. we we were 21st on the list. And uh, so, but the number one in the country. So there was, okay. there was no other Indian restaurant at that ranking in the list. Mm-hmm. So hence we be crowned number one in the country. But when we get on Asia, we... Like the, obviously the goal would be to be number one in Asia, sure, and yeah. then also to be on the global list, on the world list. So, uh, you know, we, I mean, you have to keep 
I mean, I, and also these awards, I mean, we're not really, you don't just run businesses for awards. It, it's really, it's amazing for the team and it, it, it's great, right? Like all yeah. these people are amazing for to, to be, to be on that, or to continue being on that path, to know that you're do, making a difference and doing something yeah. great and amazing and people are recognizing your work. But yeah. uh, I think for us, it's really, uh, you know, making our storytelling even stronger, you know, making our mission even stronger. Like we'd love to be a complete sustainable restaurant. There's so many other goals. Like we just became yeah. the first Valley Shadow property in the country mm-hmm. as a restaurant, the first restaurant. And I think being part of that uh, family, you know, you have to really now think of sustainability. I mean, Mask has always been uh, from day one, I think, having running an only tasting menu it also meant less wastage we've always been composting everything is used within our ecosystem between the bar and the restaurant Mm. so we have been very conscious and it's been in our dna so it's Mm. not something we're doing only today but you know to do that even better would definitely be the mission yeah i mean everything that you're sharing i'm really impressed and it's amazing that you are so ahead of the game uh, a lot of people are doing it now. I'm not saying that they aren't, but the fact that from day one, you have been conscious is something that's, it's important. Also, I think... And you know what's really amazing is that uh, because I got to work with Araku, and since the brand is sustainable from the get-go because that's their value system and that's yeah. really the backbone of their brand is is regenerative sustainability... So I, uh, in fact, Araku, it's probably the only uh, restaurant or or cafe in in India that's probably using no uh, single-use plastic. Like everything mm-hmm. from our cling film to everything is is like made with yam. I mean, of course, the packaging, uh, you know, has maybe a small film because you can't really help it. India doesn't have the technology, uh, but like even our coffee packs are all biodegradable. Mm-hmm. So like. I would say that 99% we make every effort to be uh, no plastic in Araku. So that's brilliant. That's amazing. And also, I was just thinking as you were sharing, you don't have formal chef uh, training, right? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's what makes this such an interesting and inspiring story. So I think the lesson here is you and to everybody who's listening is, you don't, everybody feels I'll be ready when, um, you know, I have this degree or when I get this certificate. But I think what you've shown is learn in your own ways, upgrade. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, I mean, obviously somebody who's, I don't think uh, a degree is uh, non-valuable, of course. Like you have to constantly keep uh, being ahead of the curve, learning, reading and engaging. But I think that what I have uh, is real practical knowledge because I really did everything like right from like going to the vegetable market or going to the floral market. Like I've done it, done it all. Like I've really gotten my hands dirty and I still do till date. I don't shy away from like doing tasks. Mm. Like I think that um, I think it's very important to lead by example. And yeah. I think then, you know, your learning curve can be so much so much you can grow so much faster yeah amazing takeaway and i think to me that's that's a big one i have this question and i won't take too long uh but what's been your what has been your biggest business lesson if 
something comes to mind. There must be many, of course, as an entrepreneur. There are so many. I think like I'm, I think I'm surrounded. I surround myself by the right people and energy. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm, I myself, I'm a very positive person. Uh, I think like spirituality and, and religion have also, and my upbringing has played a big part. But, mm -hmm. um, but yes, I think positivity is, you always have to stay positive, even in the Lord. And I think that's, that's really my takeaway. Like, even when, like, you know, I'm doing something wrong, I never think I'm going to fail. Or even knowing in my head that, you know, I'm fighting back because if somebody's even correcting me, I know I'm fighting back for the wrong, <laughs> for the wrong reason. But I, I stay positive in my head. <laughs> okay. No, I, I wouldn't. I love that. I do accept uh, at the end and like, you know, I'll stay quiet, but I, I, I'm always positive, but I'm positive. You know, I love your confidence. <laughs> I can love your confidence. What has been, uh, and I do want to ask you, like, give me some of your tips for confidence, but what has been, if you had to say an overrated piece of business advice? You know, you get a lot of advice, but which I, I think that, um, no, my overrated piece of business advice is that you must seek help. <laughs> I don't want to, you should try to do everything yourself. So like, you know, hire the right people, surround yourself by great advice, whether it's from family or friends, whether you take it or not, but have that dependency, a little bit of dependency and have that humbleness to, you know, seek help. Um, you know, be a risk taker and obviously like, you know, believe yeah. in yourself and, 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 and you have to, like I said, from the beginning, like you have to find meaning that has to be, your job has to be meaningful enough for you to drive you. Yeah. It can't just be money driving you. Yeah. Um, a word of advice to everyone who sees Instagram <laughs> and then they're like, I'm going to make a million dollars by the time I'm 25. No, of course. That means the business has to make sense. Otherwise it's not a business. But I was saying that everything can't just be driven by money. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I know that, you know, when we are doing, you know, interviews and stuff, we talk about the highs, we talk about the wins. And I know you, uh, you know, you're confident and you're like, uh, but I want to ask you, have you had any lows? And is there um, something that you can share with us about some of the low times? I mean, my, my lows are like, like, you know, sometimes like the overconfidence is, uh, can be a negative because, and I think that's really my lows um, is that, you know, I, I've been like probably sleeping really badly or, you know, sometimes like the guilt of not spending enough time with my three kids or, you know, that, that constant guilt can, I think is my uh, sort of, uh, sometimes I feel very low about it. And, um, not giving my health enough importance. I'm turning 40 very soon. And like, you know, literally I'm like 10 kilos overweight. And I'm like, just this morning I was making a plan that, you know, these, these lows, I can't deal with these lows anymore. And I'm, I'm shutting off and going away to a health bar soon. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate I my lows are my own lows of like not feeling uh, my full self. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, you know, trying to um, be good at everything sometimes or like I'm a great multitasker and I take great pride in it, but sometimes it can backfire. <laughs> no, but you know, I appreciate, thank you for your honesty, for sharing that, okay, these are things that sometimes we always think of the lows of things that are others or situations that may have happened to us. Um, so this is a good way to kind of look inward. 
uh, your zone of genius. I think I know it already, <laughs> but uh, I'd love for you to articulate. I think it's one word. It's multitasking. That's really hard. Ah, that's not I, what I was going for. Yeah. I literally, but I write a lot. Like I don't, so uh, I'm able to multitask because I've got like some 50 notebooks and I keep writing. Like I'm always writing and, uh, and I have a great checklist. My checklist, my checklist. And like, even when people, like, even if I'm part of a, like a big meeting, I'm always making points, even if I'm leading the meeting. Because for me, it's like, when I write, I really, I'm, I'm able, like, it, that, it never leaves my head. And at any point, I'm able to connect the dots. And uh, I think it's also a great piece of advice to give somebody to, to write. <laughs> but uh, I was going to say your zone of genius to me from everything that I'm hearing is, your um, vision, right? Your ability to see and, um, you know, go after it single-minded. So I think that's your zone of genius. Yeah. It happen to see. There's a, okay, sorry. Let me rephrase that. I think a lot of us have vision. We, we love ideas. Yeah. Also, execution, I think, is a strength that you yeah. definitely... I, I think maybe, yes, the power of execution is probably my zone. zone yeah. Or you can't be where you are um, without that. And finally, a day in your life. I mean, talk, walk me through a regular <laughs> day in your life. I mean, I'm not a morning person, though I pretend to be if even somebody calls, but um, not a morning person. And uh, though, so, I mean, initially my kids would be very disappointed. Uh, but now they know that mom's not a morning person. So they will definitely come in to say bye to me when they're leaving for school. But I mean, I'm, I, but when I have to do something, I, I wake up. Like mm. I can, you know, if I have to set an alarm for my kids to study at five, I'll be up. Or I need to go for a workout, I'll be up. I need to have a reason to wake up. Other, I, I'm the worst uh, morning person. And once, once I'm awake, I don't think the clock stops till I drop dead at night. <laughs> it should be 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., it doesn't matter. Yeah, and no, and um, no, it's hectic. It's hectic from Zoom calls to meetings to like my phone doesn't stop ringing. <laughs> and to people like me who want your time, who want to talk about your uh, life and your success. And finally, before I let you go, my last one for you is a word of advice to those who are starting down the path of entrepreneurship, but also those who feel like oh, this is not my area of expertise. Is this something I should try or should I stick to what I, you know, studied and where I worked? For example, me, I I'm, I spent 17 years in the corporate world. Um, so for people like us who then have to go in a different direction, uh, what's your word of advice for um, everyone who wants to start down into entrepreneurship? I think that um, uh, getting some practical experiences is really important, even if you're trying to change paths or career paths, because uh, it's it's important to get your hands dirty and literally be ready to. And I think that what's really happening, and I'm seeing this with even like new hires or people who are now getting into businesses, that people want to straight away become entrepreneurs. And, and you know, they even at the, and it's great. I mean, like, you know, uh, it's amazing. Like some people really even achieve it at 18 and 21. And you can see that happening on Shark Tank and, and many other platforms where there are people who who like strike gold. But I think that it's important to 
build that hard work into your system and you have to learn how to work hard to really be a long-term successful entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well said. And yeah, so with that, we come to the end of our interview. I would love to continue chatting with you, but I know time is limited and I appreciate so much the time that you shared with us. So thank you for being with us today. And thank you for sharing your journey, your learnings with our audience. And uh, no, thank you. I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Savita. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.